I had only built one product before that, and my understanding of fundamental technologies, I didn't finish computer science. <laughs> so there's a lot of technical debt, even to this day, that that has to be overcome. Like V1 was, was jQuery, Ajax, and PHP, and just kind of takes a couple seconds to load something, you add it into the DOM manually and it sends an AJAX request and it updates the database and then comes back. So again, it, was, it wasn't it about making it perfect, it was about making something that worked. My name is Adrian and I am the CEO and founder of Groundhog. This is Code Story. The podcast bringing you interviews with tech visionaries who share in the critical moments of what it takes to change an industry and build and lead a team that has your back. I'm your host, Noah Laphart, and today how Adrian Toby built the best CRM and MarTech tool for SMBs and agencies using WordPress. All this and more on Code Story. Adrian Toby lives in Canada. He got started in his tech career right out of high school, working for his father's digital marketing agency. In high school, he was interested in computer science and developed video games and useful UI for his school. Prior to digital marketing, his father was a jazz musician, and Adrian followed in those footsteps to play the trumpet. For university, he had two options. He could go to school for computer science or for music, and he ended up choosing the latter. During school, he was working full-time for his dad's agency, building websites, email campaigns, and such. While he was doing this, he built his first product, called Formlift, which is a WordPress form builder for Infusionsoft. Around three years into school, he failed his first university course, a discrete computer science course around computer runtimes, big O notation, etc. He had invested a ton of money into his degree already, but he started doing the math and estimated he wouldn't complete school until 2025, because he was part-time. With that in mind, he dropped out of university and thought, what next? He didn't want to do agency work forever. He took a look at how expensive, convoluted, and clunky marketing technology tools can be, and he vowed to create the ultimate suite of tools and to do it in WordPress. This is the creation story of Groundhog. Groundhog is a CRM and marketing automation platform specifically for businesses that use WordPress. So the main differentiator between something like maybe ActiveCampaign or Infusionsoft or HubSpot, kind of like the, the big three that I see, or maybe even ConvertKit and Drip and whatnot, is that all of those are software as a service, right? So you're, you're paying monthly fees, you're renting their space, you're using that platform. If you stop paying that bill, what happens to your data? Goes up in smoke. Right, your account, your account access is locked until you pay the bill. You can't export any of the information. You can't bring it. You can't port it over anyone. The only thing that you could feasibly export is like your contact list, but any like the the emails, the automations, all that stuff, it's like it's gone. If we built a CRM and marketing automation platform, which didn't really exist yet for for WordPress, there's a few there's a few options now. We were kind of like the first to enter this space and really define it. Um, we can build something that's natively hosted on WordPress that natively integrates with all of the major top shelf WordPress plugin providers and, and, and developer shops 
And we can also make it so that all of your data is self-hosted. You have full control, makes you ethically compliant with GDPR and HIPAA and all that stuff because you get to choose where that data is actually put because you get to choose where your website is hosted with which server con with which uh, hosting service and which company um, and that was really is like that's that's kind of our eureka moments like if we could make that happen then we could solve so many problems that exist or so many considerations for agencies and small businesses who are heavily investing in this technology to help them launch grow and scale their business then we might have like a winner. We might have a product that people might be interested in. Um, so I started kind of identifying the unique value props and, and kind of going a little bit deeper into it. Like as an agency, it was incredibly difficult to duplicate content for like businesses. So let's say I have a general contractor come in and I build up his whole system and like his quotes and his quote system is intake form, his follow-up email reminders, his review, review requests. Right, and I, I went through all of this work and I built it for this client, right? And I get another general contractor and he's basically just acting for the same stuff. It was incredibly difficult for us to go into a tool like Infusionsoft or ActiveCampaign or HubSpot and basically just do like export from one account and import into another account. Uh, and if it was possible, it was like 10 steps and you had to be a partner and you had to like upload it to like their central directory and it had to be approved by someone and it could take like weeks. Uh, days to weeks in order to actually go through that process, which is just ridiculous in, 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 in my own my own view of it. And we're like, let's just make it as easy as humanly possible. They can click an export button of all of their content and they can go to any other WordPress website that has our plugin installed and they can download it, no hassle. It literally just exports to a JSON file. And it's like stuff like that where there's just these really simple efficiencies for developers and agencies and freelancers who are often doing the work you know to make their experience better and to allow them to do more business faster right and we started drilling into stuff like that and then eventually let's get to actually developing product so tell me about the mvp right that first product you built how long it took you to build and you know what sort of tools you use to bring it to life so for the MVP, it was, it worked. It was, but you know, there, there wasn't a whole lot to compare it to in terms of functionality because it's the only kind of a product that existed as a WordPress plugin. It was, there, were, there was nothing else to compare to. The only thing that w could be compared to was SaaS, right? Which a lot of people may have just not even looked at because they're just kind of looking for that WordPress plugin to fill that role. Uh, so it was very much a just get it done focus for the MPV. If it works, that's it. Uh, and, and, and we're not going to focus on like the most beautiful UI. We're not going to focus on, uh, you know, the, the, the fringe feature requests or like specific things. It's like content has to be portable. It has to be all on WordPress. You have to be able to send an email and you have to be able to like schedule events after like someone buys product, stuff like that. It's like, as long as we can fulfill the base, the, the, the base requirements to enable a, like your average business to be able to use this and get value out of it, then that's where we're going to stop. At least as far as the MVP is concerned. Um, as I mentioned, that that process took two months, and at the end of two months, uh, we had marketing automation. 
So being able to lay out a funnel with like delay timer, so wait three days, send an email, wait three days, send an email until someone like buys a product. And after that, wait a couple days, send a review request. So we had that component. We had a, a block-based email editor. So being able to drag in your paragraph and being able to drag in your image and your, your button, change the text, change the links. Um, and we had the CRM component. So being able to like create custom fields, see first name, last name, email address, uh, scrape the profile picture uh, from Gravatar. And that's, that's, that's where MVP was. And after that, we launched it, we released it. Uh, 1.0, we didn't do beta tests, we didn't do anything, we just like, we just put it out there to see if anybody would be interested, uh, right? Because there's no point in like investing like tons of money and time and see if, you know, if after two months, nobody wants it. Um, and uh, we got a little bit of traction. It was, it was a slow start. It was like a hundred people, like zero to a hundred people for at least like the first few months. With any MVP, you've got to make certain decisions and trade-offs about what you're going to cut or what you're going to accept as far as technical debt, right? Um, and you alluded to a little bit, a, a few of those when you were talking, but I want to dive into it and answer it specifically. You know, what sort of decisions and trade-offs did you have to make in that short term and how you coped with those decisions? I had only built one product before that and my understanding of fundamental technologies I didn't finish computer science. <laughs> I dropped out. I dropped out in uh, in year two and a half, basically, because I was doing it part time. So I was there for three years, but I was only really in year two and a half. Um, and then I cut my losses. And so there's a lot of technical debt, even to this day, that that has to be overcome. We've we've removed a lot of it over what will be soon our third major upgrade uh, in as many years. Um, for example, you know, everything now is like React or Vue.js or like these, these, these awesome JavaScript libraries for creating beautiful UIs, right? There's a lot of that. Um, and t like V1 was, was jQuery, Ajax and PHP and just kind of like, you know, load take take takes a couple seconds to load something you add it into the dom manually and it sends an ajax request and it updates the database and then comes back so we just but you know again it was it wasn't it about making it perfect it was about making something that worked and seeing if it was a viable you know because the only business that we were using it for was our own and our list only had 100 people on it we wanted to make sure if we were going to invest time in this that it would be viable for someone with like a list of 500,000 contacts on it which it is by the way um and so that that would be the, the major trade-off but not necessarily a trade-off more just like a lack of my own personal knowledge i didn't i didn't invest time in learning libraries or learning new stuff i'm just like this is what i know and this is how what i'm going to use in order to get this out the door <laughs> uh, right and again i'm doing it i'm doing it myself i didn't have any other developers at that point in time and uh i mean fortunately there's help now but uh uh, it was just relying on on what I knew. I didn't even know that React existed or like Vue.js was an option. Like I, d I wasn't even consciously aware of these 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 great tools that exist now to improve the development process or like Webpack or or whatever. 
and, and Gutenberg for, for WordPress, which is their new WordPress editor, which is why kind of like the entire WordPress ecosystem is moving towards using React as a lot of the UI components didn't even exist yet. Um, so, yeah, a lot of, and the one, the one major trade-off, uh, and again, this comes to, this comes to my own personal skills and ability at that point in time was, uh, our, a lot of our competitors, when, when you build marketing automation, you're in active campaign or you're in Infusionsoft, you have like this flow chart right you can drag in nodes and then there's like arrows and and conditions and stuff like that and uh, i had no idea like i didn't no idea where to even begin with that um so the way that we approached it and also i thought this was a good way to approach it because a lot of the time we saw that the whole flowchart thing tripped a lot of newbies up trips it trips businesses up because they 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 end up building these these flow charts with with no exits <laughs> uh accidentally not on purpose and you know based on my own skill level it wasn't even possible to build something that would allow them to do that uh so we just built out this linear system so you could base it was it was basically halfway in between just setting up a simple autoresponder but also having sort of like the if then until logic of it so it's kind of like it's somewhere in the middle uh and because that's the way that we originally designed it that's where we are today still well dialing back to where you were talking about so you got your mvp done you got it released you're getting some traction you're getting some feedback how did you go about progressing the product from there and maturing it and how did you build your roadmap and figure out okay this is the next most important thing to build our first customer was my dad and his agency and their clients. <laughs> that was our first customer. Like, you, you know, leverage the opportunities that you have. Uh, so he ended up switching like pretty much all of his, all of his clients from, from Infusionsoft to, uh, to Groundhog, which they were all very grateful because uh, an entire year license of what we charge is equivalent to one month of their product. Uh, so they were all very grateful. And, it, and, it, and, you know, we got a lot of feedback through that. Uh, in terms of like, this is broken, this isn't working, this isn't right, or we need this feature in order to actually be able to conduct business. So a lot of early development in that first year was like from more or less a hundred people uh, in this in this circle and and us basically, or me, and, uh, and we did hire a developer uh, who was with us for, for a full two years after, in month two. Uh, so I mentioned I did that friends and family thing uh, that afforded us a, 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 a developer who it was his first job ever. So he wasn't like $100,000 a year or anything. <laughs> and uh, we kind of just banged stuff out as, as, as quickly as we could. Uh, basically, just whatever people needed. Um, in that first little while, we were, we were a feature factory. Um, just trying to get as much out as, as humanly possible, increase the value prop and provide more options for small businesses. Um, moving into sort of the, the later half of the first year uh, is when, not even really, it's like direction was set probably in year two, like clear defined direction for, for what needs to happen with the product and, and where it needs to go. 
uh, because the beginning of year two is when we did our first major version upgrade from from one to two, where we basically just rewrote the whole bloody thing. <laughs> and um, added a whole bunch of like reporting features. That's one of the like the major drawbacks of a lot of these platforms is that the reporting is always subpar. Like there's always there's there, the, the information is there. The data is there. It's just so incredibly difficult to view it as a business owner in a format that enables you to make good business decisions. For example, take Active Campaign or Infusionsoft. With their flowchart editors, you can create these epic campaigns and epic automations. Uh, people go in, people come out. Um, but trying to find out how many people went in and how many people came out and what that meant for revenue and and how to and correlate revenue to specific emails with open rates and whatnot is just mind-bogglingly difficult. You have to go into like three different screens uh, and then you basically have to have a spreadsheet up at the same time, plug in the numbers and do all the math yourself. And it's like, I don't got time for that. So uh, in 2.0, we released this whole dashboard, which basically took the, the most relevant metrics from the funnels, from the emails, from everything. And we give conversion rates, we give revenue per email, we give orders per email, we give out to carts per email, we give donations per email, uh, per funnel as well. So we have we built this entire tracking system to basically correlate between all of the relevant top shelf WordPress plugins like WooCommerce, EDB, GiftWPB, and basically anything that collects money and be able to tie that directly to which email did a person open, which immediately led to this purchase so we can give a much clearer view of the customer journey so that a user, an end user, someone who's using Groundhog and looking at the reports can go in and see, all right, well, there's three emails in this funnel. This one is getting a 50% open rate and 30% click through, but this one is getting a 60% open rate, but zero click through. What's up with that? Right. And there's absolutely zero orders for this email while there's three for the other one. It's like, what's up with that? And, and them being able to say, hey, that's probably a hole or there's probably something wrong with that email. Let's go and change it. Well, let's switch to teams. You mentioned hiring a, you know, a developer, right? Um, how did you go about building your team? And what do you look for in those people to indicate they're the winning horses to join you? Honestly, if I were to go back and do it over again, I'd probably do it differently. <laughs> uh, I did it in like such a, a dramatic fa I was I was very dramatic. It was very dramatic the way that I did it. <laughs> Too dramatic for for the size of business that I was. Right. It was just me at the time, and I'm like, all right, well, I need help. Uh, let's go. Let's go find help. So uh, we hired locally. We, we 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 did it locally. We had an office at that point in time. We're remote now. Um, and we put out a job listing on Indeed and we had like a group of people come into the office. Uh, we had like, I think maybe seven or eight people come in to all developers. Uh, and I basically, I, I posed them a question. I'm like, how would you solve this problem? You have 30 minutes. <laughs> and then they wrote out their solution on a piece of paper and I looked and whoever had the best solution got hired. <laughs> and honestly, that was... I mean, I mean, the person who I hired was great and he was with us for two years and he did a really good job, but that was so dramatic. <laughs> that's like, that's like some Google level stuff. And I'm like, I wouldn't do that again now. <laughs> it's embarrassing, really. 
Um, and honestly, it was just us for a long time. Well into, well into the end of, of year two, it was so, so throughout year one and well into the end of year two, it was just us. We were both doing development and I would do, I would do customer support and he would do customer support. And really that's all we needed. We didn't, we didn't have like tons of clients. Uh, we had maybe like around a thousand and uh the, the software was good we weren't getting like tons of support requests and it was manageable and the and and the features we were would get we were still being a feature factory still pumping out new stuff um and at the end of year two is when we started to pick up steam black friday happened uh we, I had made a bunch of friends at this point, so I'm not, I'm not sure if we're going to talk about product marketing at all and, and getting customers for, for your product, because I have a few words to say on that. But I'll just say for now, at, by the end of year two, I had made a lot of friends in, of powerful and large communities, and I was totally leeching off of their lists and, and building our own where we had to eventually like, all right, well, we need more help. Like, we, need, we need people like for specifically support because I'm... You know the CEO. I can't be doing this for the rest of my life. I got to build product and lead and and do other things and and be on podcasts and and whatnot. So we had started, or I had started a certified partner program, which is a very common thing for most uh, CRM marketing automation providers to have. Uh, and we have around 40, 40 year odd sort of certified partners at this point in time, and. Uh, we basically put out a uh, a call to people in our Facebook group. We have a Facebook group that has 1,500 people in it. And we're like, hey, listen, we need to hire someone for customer support. Is there anybody who uses our product that needs a gig? <laughs> uh, you know, what, uh, a friend of mine, Chris Badgett, who's the CEO over at Lifter LMS, which is like the second largest LMS plugin for WordPress, um, he said, you know, the first place that I always go to hire is, is in our own community. And I'm like, oh, that's a good idea. You know, the people who already use your product know it best. So I went to our list and and lo and behold, we actually brought on a certified partner to be uh, one of our customer success people. Um, her name is Jessie. She's great. And then after that, uh, basically hired in a much more standard format, put out a job listing, put out, uh, you know, put it out to the community as well. We hired contractors, we brought on people salaried, we brought on uh, developers, let go developers. It's been, uh, the team has grown, the team has shrunk based on demand and based on needs. One of the most, one of my most recent um, HR experiences was in year three. Well, at the end of year two, it was time for, as I mentioned, you know, another major version upgrade to get rid of it again, a whole bunch of technical debt. And I had this grand vision of Groundhog 3.0, which would be fully react. It would have, we would eliminate the tech debt. It would be beautiful. It would have flowchart thing. It would, it would have this, like this wonderful block based email editor that was a major improvement beyond what we had. And it would be done in three months. That was that was my grand vision at sort of the end of year two. So uh, we had, you know, uh, year two was profitable, actually. So year one, we lost money. 
uh, as most tech businesses probably do. But year two, we actually we made up for it and then some. So we had we had we had cash in the bank. I'm like, well, let's go hire some people to make this happen. Uh, so that's what I did. Pricey people. And uh, they did they they did good work, but but it wasn't fast by any stretch of the imagination. So three after three months, not even anywhere close to anything releasable. Uh, and then another five months goes by. Same story, you know. It's it's further, but it's not there. Uh, and I'm paying U.S. salaries now for React developers. Uh, which I'm not sure if anyone on this call is familiar with the the, the going rate for React developer, but uh, whew, you know it's not it's not inexpensive. And I'm a small business at the end of the day, and and we work with small businesses. We're not this this has been a bootstrapped venture from from day one, minus the fun the the friends and family loan, right? But you know there's no there's no venture capital coming in to fund this project at a loss for for whatever. So. You know, at a, at, a, at, a, at a certain point, it's like, well, I'm looking at where 3.0 is um, in terms of, of production. And I'm like, you know what? If I eliminated React and I just do it, I did it the way that I know how to, I could probably have this whipped up in a week. Right, just using good old-fashioned, you know, template literals and and a little bit of jQuery and a little bit of ingenuity and handling event listeners manually, I could probably have this done to some relatively acceptable fashion by the end of this week. Uh, and so, at nights, going back to my kind of all-nighter schedule, I I whipped something up in a week. Now it's not a it's not a finished product by any stretch of the imagination, but it's a, it's already further than the previous eight months of, 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 of React development with, with not cheap developers. And uh, at that point, it's like, all right, it does not. And then, you know, I'm looking at how far there's probably still to go and investment and operating the company at a loss, essentially, to, to, cover, to cover the, the extensive development costs. And I'm like, this can't go on, right? It's not, it's not sustainable. So we ended up, that was a tough, that was a tough decision. It's like, we've, we've had, we invested well over a hundred thousand dollars at this point into this project with this React team. And it was tough, but you know, that's, that's the call. you like, if it, if it's not going to get done, then, but you can do it a different way and you can do it for cheaper to reach 95% of the same results. Which call? What's the call? Right. What? What's? What? What? What choice do you really have? So, uh, we we ended up laying off that that team and moving directly to just kind of good old fashioned get her done mode. And uh, we are basically like imminently away now, within three months, which was the original goal to to get something out the door. And we actually just shipped a a a. Not a major release, but a minor release with with some of the stuff that we've been working on, and the reception has been ecstatic. It was pain. It's 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 painful. It was, uh, and it's also like you know the sunk cost fallacy, right? Um, I I had invested so much, you know, I'm, at, at month three, I, I'd already invested like basically thirty k, because we also hired we hired a contractor to kind of like get the boat started, and he was like fifteen thousand for the month. And I'm like, okay, you know, we have, we have it. Sure. Why not? 
and then it kind of it kind of added up. Well, let's flip to scalability then. So, how are you approaching scalability when you're building your product, and are you are you fighting this as you grow and get traction? Well, in terms of the product, uh, scalability was concern from day one. Um, so, making sure that it worked was was always top of priority. Not making sure that it was beautiful. Uh, kind of like the beautiful aspect is what we're kind of working on now. Um, making it beautiful. Uh, it's already quite robust. We have we have customers with lists of well over 500,000 people where they send 500,000 emails per day um, without without much of an issue, without any issue really. And uh, that was always that was always priority number one for me because WordPress like has a rep for you know, if you have like big plugins on it, it's going to slow down or, you know, it's unreliable. And the, you know, SaaS does a good job of marketing that to their customers, right? And, and, and they have a marketing engine designed to ensure that the stigma sticks, right? It, it exists. It's a process that happens. And, you know, you, you know, you don't, don't, don't hate the players, hate the game, <laughs> right? So there's a stigma to overcome for us. So reliability was always kind of like evangelizing WordPress as a viable option for small businesses to not only host their content, but their e-commerce and their digital marketing and CRM as well, right? So scalability was kind of just like a done deal in terms of day one, making, doing our, our stress testing, doing our load testing, doing our case studies, getting a big client, and then working with them on Zoom calls to figure out where stuff could be improved. Uh, and in year one, we did a whole ton of uh, scalability improvements and efficiency improvements to like our event queue model and our AWS SES integration for like multi-threading and and uh, and and multi-process curl requests and, and like the whole thing. And we got it to a point where like even at five hundred thousand, sending an email in like a couple hours is like non-issue. In terms of team, right? I've. Personally, like I've always wanted a big team, but there's not enough work for one, really. At least I don't, I, I haven't reached a point where I feel like there's enough work for a big team. Like Jesse's really good at what she does. We have certified partners. We have a Facebook group that takes care of a lot of the, the, the technical support. We have incredible videos, incredible education. We focused a lot on like our academy and on our and our courses. Uh, that that was also a big pillar that we wanted to focus on was making sure that there was education surrounding the product to make sure that new people could understand what to do and how it worked. Investing in templates, investing in all of these things to ensure that there was as minimal work to do on behalf of us so that we could focus on building great product. Uh, and to an extent, that's that's still true. And 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 we, we went, I, I hired a big team. Uh, that's what that's what for 3.0 is. And that just it didn't work. And here I am being a small team again, getting more work done, getting it done faster. Right. And uh, it's cer we're certainly enough to handle the, the amount of people that we work with and be profitable, which is important. Right. 
we're not, again, you know, we're not we're a boot, we're a bootstrapped organization. We can only spend what we make, um, which is around twenty five k USD per month. Uh, which is which is where our current where, where our current MRR is, and yeah. So in terms of scalability, you know, if it gets to like a million MRR, then that's a little bit different story. I think we have a ways to go till we get there. Uh, <laughs> I wish it would be there overnight, but you know, I don't. That's not usually how it works. Or if someone writes me a three million dollar check, that'd be nice. But I digress. In terms of scalability, I think I think it's important to just know how much work you can actually provide to to team members because if you're overzealous, you're gonna get in a in a trouble with like I did, um, where you know there's there's when the, and and certainly when there's no there's no product person like I'm the product manager manager and the CEO and the sales guy and I'm wearing all these hats and I ha I hire developers and I provided them very long leashes right I was I was and that's probably my fault as a leader I provided them like I don't really care how it gets done I just want it done as bait was was basically what I did and I thought because you know I have experience or, or not 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 direct experience, but I've seen other people be micromanaged, and and those who micromanage them, uh, and that doesn't work, right? And I think I overcompensated for that by giving them absolutely kind of like free reign to get it done however they saw fit, and that ended up that's what turned uh, what should have been, or at least what I ideally believed would have been a three month process into an eight month process that was only half baked. Well, as you step out on the balcony and you look across what you've built, what are you most proud of? The fact that we have been able to assist small businesses launch, grow, and scale their lists uh, who would have otherwise been unable to. The Our price point, the fact that we are self-hosted, and the fact that uh, you own the data has enabled many more businesses that would have otherwise been unable to have any software leverage CRM and marketing automation to grow their businesses. Uh, this is specifically true in, in European countries where GDPR came in and basically stopped anyone from using American-based CRM and marketing automation companies that didn't have servers out in, in Europe. Uh, and if they did, they were expensive. We're talking 150 plus a month. You know, a license for Groundhog is is at most $40 a month paid annually. Um, and so many businesses have been incredibly grateful to me personally for for even making this, regardless of how it looks, so that they can use it to grow their business. And I think that's that's probably one of the things that I'm that I'm most proud of is just the fact that you know the the only reason that we built this product in the first place was so that we could help people and that's kind of just where I've always come from. It's like as long as the product can help people, we're doing our job, right? Not doing it. We're not here to be a billionaire, although that'd be nice. You know, I'm not. You know, as long as we can help people, we're doing our jobs right. So that's what I'd say I'm most proud of. Well, let's flip the script a little bit then. So tell me about a mistake you made and how you and your team responded to it. Well, I think the biggest mistake to date was was my 
what was investing as much as I did in the 3.0 process. And, and that was, a, that was, well, I guess it's only a mistake if you make it twice, but it was certainly a painful learning experience. <laughs> if I could, if I would go back, I would change what I would have done. And, uh, and I would have done it the good old fashioned way with the tools that we have access to and the things that we know. And as long as it's again, like as long as it's 95% of the way there, then nobody, certainly the end user is not going to know the bloody difference, right? They're never going to know. So like, why bother? And it's just, I got, I got, you know, I bought into the hype, right? There's a lot of hype for React because of, of, of at the time, like, you know, Gutenberg for WordPress, the WordPress editor was, was getting a lot of hype and a lot of limelight. And I'm like, well, if we build like React stuff, then, you know, we'll be hype. <laughs> Doesn't work like that. <laughs> well, what does the future look like for the product uh, and for, for your team? I know you're working on on some stuff. You've, you've gone back to what you know, to your roots of building the product. What does the future look like? We have gone back to our roots, but uh, the root the roots have developed for sure. So we have we we we're we're using the the technologies that we're familiar with, um, but we've developed brand new patterns for working with them, uh, and and major efficiencies. So it's basically like you know if you're using the UI, it's basically like you would be using something built with React, but it's not. And 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 we've developed ways to to get it to ninety five percent of the way there that no one would ever know the difference. Um, and that's enabled us to build what my original vision had been in three months from, from when we pivoted three months ago to, to doing it this way. Uh, and release is imminent. Uh, we just released Groundhog 2.5, which we kind of released some of the stuff that we were working on early. One of the big things uh, was search filters. Uh, now, I, I, I had made a big deal earlier about how the data is there, but it's impossible to access for like reporting purposes, right? And the same could have been true, and it's a little bit hypocritical to me, because the same was true, like, the data was there to search, to like pull up specific contexts. Like, if you want to find everybody on your list who purchased a product in the last 60 days, right? The information was there, you could see it in the report, but you couldn't actually see the list of people. You couldn't see their names. You couldn't see their email addresses. Um, so one of the big focuses was making that possible and making that data accessible. Uh, and we built this this incredible search filters uh, search filters function, um, where it can basically allow you to create you know person bought X product within the last sixty days, and they have you know tag new customer, and they were created in the last ninety days, or they were, uh, you know, or their contact owner is whoever, or their, uh, or their last opened email was email A, and they opened and they clicked this link in that email, and they can design these incredibly like flexible search filters to find really specific people on their list so that they can market to those people and and take actionable steps on that data. Uh, uh, one of the big kind of communities that we've been resonating with recently has been nonprofits because uh, of our recent integration with GiveWP, which is the leading donations plugin for WordPress. And how powerful would it be if, let's say, you're a nonprofit 
and you have like a deadline to raise $10,000, but you've only raised eight, right? So you need to go find $2,000 by EOD. How, where do you find that? You go to your CRM and you search for your top 10 donors, right? It's like, you, you know, you search for a donation amount above $10,000 or above $6,000 or however much they've donated within the last 30 days. And you, you search that query and then you pick up the phone and you start hammering the phones on those specific people. You send them an email, you send them follow-ups, right? So that, because the people who are most likely to donate are the people who've already donated, right? And certainly your top donors. Um, and that's what you can do now with like that search filters feature. So not only do we make our own data accessible, data within the serum, we make the data of other plugins accessible which a lot of them don't, you know, they're, they're great plugins, but CRM and, and, and that kind of thinking about actioning on that data is just not what they do, right? They have, they're focused on like membership or they're focused on donations or they're focused on things. They're not focused on making data actionable from a marketing standpoint, which is our job. So we make the data in everybody else's platform accessible. And that's kind of the road that we're going down. So not only just making the platform beautiful, uh, and, and making it a lot more user-friendly and a lot more accessible to people who are not developers or, or, or agencies, but kind of just like your Joe Blow average business owner, but making the data of everybody else's platform accessible where it just wasn't before. Let's switch to you, Adrian. Who, who influences the way that you work? Name a person that you look up to and why. I'm, I'm, I'm a self-taught guy. Right, like I learned to code through YouTube videos and through Stack Overflow. <laughs> I went to university for computer science, and I don't think uh, I, I learned. I mean, I learned a lot. I learned uh, Big O notation, <laughs> which I suppose is helpful. Actually, you know, we're, we're designing our event queue, and like, all right, well, this would run in 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 O2, but this would run in ON plus <laughs> one. Right, so let's do it this way. Um, but in terms of influences, I mean, I'm a developer, but I am also a marketer and I feel like I receive more influence on that half of kind of like my job description versus being a developer. Um, I, I have what I like to believe is a unique development style, um, all of the frameworks, all of the libraries, all of the code patterns maybe are, are borrowed from from other people, whether consciously or subconsciously, but certainly a lot of them I've developed just over time on my own, and they've worked very, very well. Um, but in terms of the marketing side of things, my dad, for one, um, he's a digital marketing agency, he knows a lot about it. Uh, and, you know, he worked with people like Joe Vitale and, and kind of like the 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 old boys club of, of digital of early digital marketing from like 2008, 2009. And certainly got a lot of my, uh, my marketing skills from there. Russell Brunson, ClickFunnels is, is, is okay software, but he is a next level brilliant marketer. Um, Grant Cardone, Joe Vitale, like I mentioned, and uh, uh, certainly uh, also borrowing concepts from 
other business owners within kind of like the WordPress plugin community, like Vito Peleg is a friend of mine, Chris Badgett. Oh my God, I leaned on Chris Badgett as a business owner, kind of like from for business influence of how to run a WordPress plugin company. I leaned a lot on him, Chris Lemma. Uh, I went to Chris Lemma's event, uh, Cabo Press, and I met pretty much like WordPress top brass there. I remember, so back in year one, uh, for everything in Groundhog, uh, for kind of like the full all access suite, we were charging $200 a month. And, or sorry, $200 a year, <laughs> not $200 a month. So like a little bit, a little bit under $20 a month, right? Uh, and nobody was buying it. Nobody. I, like I mentioned, we had like, we had, we had maybe a hundred to 500 people for the entirety of the first year, which, you know, I, want to make money <laughs> that was not how to do it uh and i went to this i went to the i was invited to this event through through chris badgett the ceo of lift lms uh and i went and i like brought my problem there's like bring your problems leave with solutions so i brought i brought kind of like my laundry list of here's all the things that aren't working mostly just to do with marketing and sales i'm like hey listen i have this pricing model we are the cheap the most affordable crn marketing automation solution for small businesses on the market why is nobody buying it and uh i, I basically posed the question to every single person on the event there might have been 60 people there uh all of them very successful wordpress plugin business owners um certainly much more successful than myself or else they probably wouldn't be there and every one of them said the exact same thing to me it's like it's not expensive enough <laughs> It's like, but don't people want it to be inexpensive? Uh, they're like, well, that's what most people think, but you'd be surprised. Uh, you know, double the price. Watch sales go up. <laughs> and uh, I asked, so I asked everyone, they all said exactly the same thing. So I came back and the next day, I, I literally doubled the price across the board for everything. And then I removed, I removed stuff from our free version. We, we have a freemium version as well um, that's available on the WordPress.org repository. And we, we took a whole bunch of features out. We made them premium. Uh, and then we took a whole bunch of features out of like the $200 plan and we moved it up to like a $400 plan and literally like just changed the whole model overnight. And literally the next month we doubled. So in terms of like, like, like business influence, certainly so like a lot of like the WordPress professionals that, that I mentioned, but from, as a, from a developer standpoint, I can't really name anybody. <laughs> Well, last question, Adrian. So you're getting on a plane and you're sitting next to a young entrepreneur who's built the next big thing. They're jazzed about it. They can't wait to show it off to the world. Can't wait to show it off to you right there on the plane. What advice do you give that person having gone down this road a bit? I, I've been giving a lot of advice recently. I've been giving uh, to people within our the WordPress plugin ecosystem um with similar products to mine and you know there's enough there's enough room for everybody it's a big it's a big enough pond there's like you know wordpress is predicted to be like 50 percent of the like all websites on the internet within like the next few years so it's a big enough pond right and uh i just i meet people and i get a call i'm like hey listen you know you know what's your struggle and nine times out of ten it's like well nobody's buying it it's like, well, how do I, how do I get sales? Like, how do I market? How do I, you know, a business is only a business if you're selling stuff. Otherwise it's a hobby, 
right? And and some and you know, there's a lot of VC companies out there financing really expensive hobbies. <laughs> right? So And and I usually say, you know, the same the, the same thing to a lot of them. It's like, well, you know, who's your audience? Right? You got to know what you're selling to. You, you got to know what their needs are. A lot, a lot most nine times out of them they have no idea. Is it is it an agency? Is it a small business owner? Is it a mom? Is it a father? Is it a son? Is it a student? Is it a course instructor? Is it a creator? Like who is the person? And once you've identified the person, the way that I built my audience, and 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 this goes into how I kind of like marketed for year one, how I built my own audience was through other people's. So I identified well who's my audience, like agencies. Digital marketing agencies, they're the one who knows how to do the product best. They're the one who knows how to get results. They're the one who can read the reports and analyze that to make good marketing decisions. Small businesses can do that to a degree, but that's not like they're, they're busy doing other stuff, right? So let's just get on agencies. So what do I do? I contact a bunch of podcasts that run podcasts about agencies or for agencies or their agencies themselves. And I basically just do this circuit. I, I, I just, I email them. I get like 10% people respond back to me and I get on a call uh, and I build my audience basically by leveraging theirs. Uh, and over time that builds up my own audience and then I can leverage that audience. And then I kind of like pass it, pass the buck forward. And guess what? Other people come in, they speak with me and they leverage my audience. <laughs> Right. And that's kind of like probably the, the, the number one, because so many developers, you know, they have great ideas, but we're often way too involved in our own products to see sort of like the big marketing picture. You know, we think that everyone would be able to get value out of this. And I truly believe that there's tons of small businesses who get value out of Groundhog, but marketing to everyone is like marketing to no one you got to pick your battles you got to pick your ideal customer like you look at convert kit look at drip look at uh you know if you look at those two it's like e-commerce or creators not both right their marketing is very specific to those audience because those are the audiences that they can access easily through their networks um and picking that from day one is going to make it significantly easier to get a business off the ground that's great advice. Well, Adrian, thank you for being on the show today. Thank you for telling the creation story of Groundhog. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. And this concludes another chapter of Code Story. Code Story is hosted and produced by Noah Laphart. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the podcasting app of your choice. Support the show on patreon.com slash code story for just five to 10 bucks a month. And when you get a chance, leave us a review. Both things help us out tremendously. And thanks again for listening.